Father Jonathan Harmon, hello. <laughs> Father David Lugo, <laughs> hi. Hey, I got to tell so you So you're going to have to help me out here. What's that? No, no, I'll go first. You go first. <laughs> no, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this gospel reading, Uh huh. I mean, I've read it before. Uh huh. I know of it. Uh huh. And I've probably even preached on it before. Uh huh. <laughs> but you're gonna have to help me out here because <laughs> it's not really doing anything for me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's good. This may be one of those Sundays uh, where we just preach on the first reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting because it's. Uh, I could see the clear connection between the gospel and the first reading, and so totally fine and justified. Yeah. Well. I mean, they're both banquet feasts, like, oh, you know, okay. um, there's this really cool way of reading the first reading about like the eschatological feast, you know, and how God is super generous on his holy mountain. Now, there's a great image here for the Eucharist, you know, of, of yeah, yeah, of, it's rich food, choice wines, wipe away every tear from their face. So it's like the Eucharistic banquet, God's eschatological realization of his promise of redemption, there's a lot you could do with that first reading for sure. And it's also in the Old Testament. So it adds a certain gravitas that this is something yet to come. Um, I, my issue with the gospel is that it's it's got the feast stuff. But man, is it complicating it with all of this other yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. That's, I think, what what is getting me all up in a bunch. Yeah. I just can't like parse it out what's going on yeah so like so talk to me talk, talk me through it like well, what's what's giving you some stuff well let's get there uh i jumped the gun a little bit how are you doing i'm doing good i uh that's good let's pause for a second because i <laughs> before we jump into the stuff for 28th sunday i guess it is um today was the first day that i had to go <clears throat> to my parish uh while we're on lockdown my our, the city of madrid oh. has just entered oh. uh a kind of lockdown and so i had to really? venture across the city yeah um they they lock the city down but you're free to move within the city that you're in but can't move to a different city so like municipalities can't mix and that's like uh-huh. That's almost like saying neighborhoods can't mix because municipalities are yeah. just like neighboring towns, you know? So like in Houston, yeah. it would be like Sugarland and Bel Air and Houston would not be able to mix each other. Um, wow. Anyway, so like where I live and where my parish is are two different municipalities. And so I had to get a special letter to travel across the city. Um, so anyway, it was kind of cool to, to go and preach. But long story short, I'm doing fine. Um, just enjoying, uh, yeah, getting a chance to preach at the parish. I, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit annoyed frustrated maybe even maybe i'll put it positively i'm just really desiring feedback from uh-huh. my parishioners on my yeah. preaching and i just don't get it like i don't get any because everyone's wearing a mask so there's no smiling yeah. there's no anything yeah um and there's no talking to people afterwards and yeah so yeah yeah that that is an interesting interesting effect of you know of entering in your priestly life literally with masks on like you've not you've never preached to a congregation that a has been full Mm -hmm. well i don't think spain has anyway and b hasn't had something covering their face right right that's weird i didn't even think of that yeah yeah it's tough but it's 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 interesting though because even even before in the before time uh 
I mean, you do get some feedback sometimes, uh-huh. but like the majority of the comments, I would say 99% of the comments that I would get after mass working at a parish was, oh, thanks, Father. Good homily. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> All it means is that they remember that you did give a homily. And... You preached. Yeah. <laughs> you you preached did that. Us. Hey. You, you preached us. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, I, yeah, I hear that. And I mean, honestly, part of that would be, some of that would be actually kind of nice to just hear some acknowledgement that I've done a thing. Like that's. Yeah, sure. I just don't get any acknowledgement of that. I'm, I'm coming across pretty needy, I know, but like I just need some sense of like, <laughs> oh, the effort that I put into this has been receiving, has been received, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just not getting, and so I'm just getting a little bit annoyed by that because preaching takes a, a lot of hard work and I don't know, it's just hard when there's no feedback and there's no formal way to get feedback and I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, it is an interesting thing to think about. Like, okay, you think about, Oh, I don't know, like a content creator on YouTube who, you know, spends all their time trying to build a base so that they can, you know, make money and make a living or whatever, or just have, you know, have a reason to create. Um, and if it doesn't work, then they usually quit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if nobody's watching your videos, you stop making videos. Right. And right. so there's an interesting thing that I, ha- honestly, I have not thought about a connection there. Like if nobody's listening to your, like they're showing up to mass, maybe. Okay. But like if they're not actually listening or even being moved by it, in some sense, what's the point? I mean, I get there's a point beyond no, just, hey, hey, that's right. You know, all of that. But, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it's something interesting to think about. No, totally. Totally. As both as a priest, as a preacher and as a, as a congregant, somebody that's coming to church, like why? why <laughs> yeah although i will say like it's a fine line because i also don't want the like self-righteous you know churchgoer to say hey father uh let me tell you all the things that i heard you say that i think yeah. you should fix it's like okay well right right that's a bit much too i i think that there needs... Do we have to live in those extremes though that's a thing and this is a conversation for another time but like i think that there could be good ways of developing like formal structures for feedback that a pastor can implement for his parish yeah um yeah and yeah and like and that would be really nice to have people that you trust listen intently and ask them afterwards to spend 20 minutes with you to just give feedback on what worked what didn't work um because otherwise like okay i mean i can start to develop some pretty bad habits that no one's going to correct me on and 20 years into my priesthood i hope i'm not preaching the same that i'm preaching right now and i hope i have improved but I don't know. So anyway, that's kind of a rabbit hole of a topic, but that's kind of been on my mind <laughs> yeah. when I when I go to the parish is that I just I show up, parachute in and parachute out basically. Yeah, maybe we'll do a, a homily prep hot take where we talk about that. Yeah, yeah, and sounds maybe good. Talk about some ways of continuing education and how to improve, how to challenge yeah. ourselves. Actually, to be to be frank, one of the reasons I like uploading my uh, homilies to YouTube is that I can hear myself later. Um, and like 20 yeah. years from now, listen back on the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time and say, what did I preach on my first year of priesthood on these <laughs> readings? Yeah. Like when it comes yeah. to year A in 20 years from now, you know, um, I don't know. So I'm looking forward to that for sure, because I hope to see myself improving as a preacher. Yeah, it is amazing. Like when I was a couple when I was in theology studies, uh, Pope Benedict's book on uh, homilies on preaching came out. Mm-hmm. Or not on preaching on the priesthood, 
And they're all, you know, they're ordination masses mostly from like the late 60s, early 70s. Like how, I don't understand how that works. Like how does he have all of all of those? Yeah, yeah. Well, people used to write them all out and keep them in their files, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do that too, but it's on a computer. <laughs> like, do you just carry around boxes of homilies with you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it. I mean, that's what you would reuse wow. from you every other year, you know? That's um, weird. I yeah. don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing the same thing. It's just hidden on the on the cloud, man. Um, that's right. Okay. Well, so let's get back to the readings for this upcoming Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So help me out here. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I don't. So here's know. here's what I'm here's what I'm looking at. Okay. So we've got this really long, kind of complicated gospel reading from Matthew, where he's giving a parable: the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king. So we have this f- similar format that we've talked about before. Yes. Right. It's not, it's not the kingdom of God is not this thing. It's like this king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Yes. This whole, whole thing. The focus is not on the feast. It's on the king. Right. Right. I get that. And I like that. But then he goes into all these details. I'm like, nobody's coming and the servants, they're being beaten and murdered. Right. And then finally they're like, well, we just need to invite somebody and people show up and the king gets upset. Like what kind of a feast is he throwing? First of all, Right. That nobody right. wants to go to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Second of all, he finally gets a guest <laughs> and he kills them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> help me out here. <laughs> so this is the kind of parable that uh, would we would probably benefit from patiently working through it. Um, uh-huh. And also, these are my two pieces of advice. Patiently working through it. Actually, I actually have three pieces of advice. Patiently working through it. When you go to preach on it, focus on one aspect and not the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the third thing is to try and not turn it into an allegory. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, yeah. I think I like it's that. really tempting to be like, oh, well, the king is God and the feast is heaven. And then right. some of the guests are invited. Well, that's the Jews or something. And then they're rejected. <laughs> well, anyway, so like it becomes just like really tenuous. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you're com- you're complicating an already complicated story, right? So I think like if you try to like whittle it down to some of the bare essentials, God is a king. We know that God invites us. No, to... the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king. Right, right. But here's my point: the kingdom of heaven is God inviting us to celebrate with His Son. Like that's yeah. the kingdom of heaven yeah. is to celebrate yeah. the banquet feast, which we heard about in the first reading with His Son Jesus Christ. Okay, so. So far, allegory works. Um, but then, like, it gets really difficult because there is the refusal to come. And who are those people? I think we can find ourselves in any of these aspects, you know? Like, you could preach a whole homily on, like, God invites you to participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb, and you refuse to come. Like, yeah, could you preach a whole homily on what sin is? Sin is refusing to celebrate with God in the banquet feast of, of his son. I don't know. Like, there's something... Yeah, there, you know. Or you go, you you go. Well, and but see, here's the thing: like, isn't going better than being dressed properly? I mean, there's okay. There's a spiritual reality there that we've got to be properly disposed, certainly to receive the Eucharist. Okay, like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get around that by any means. Mm-hmm. But like, isn't the fact that they're going huge? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they've already taken that huge leap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to not just stay home mm-hmm. 
Like, are yeah. we going to punish people for that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, some people do. Some people do punish others for coming to church dressed badly, you know, um, that if you come into church, you should be dressed pr- appropriately. Like, like that's something people believe and something people do. Um, now, yeah. I am not of that opinion solely because if we're talking about someone who's coming from the highways and byways, does he even own a wedding garment? I mean, like, does this yeah, right? have right? the means of doing this? Um, what could you glean from that? So I think that that's one of the most troubling parts here. There's a few troubling parts. One is yeah. The, yeah. the king destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but then also you have this ending line, which is you were, uh, that the man is then thrown out because he didn't come, you know, justly prepared. Um, yeah. That's a very troubling part. Yeah. So, again, help me out here. It says, but he was reduced to silence. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the king or the man? The man. I think the man is reduced to silence because he's shot. Um, yeah. So, okay. I mean, I could imagine preaching a homily on like how, you know, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, anybody can come to heaven. The door is just wide open. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you could maybe angle it with like even the generous offer of salvation that is open to us in Christ still requires of us preparing ourselves and collaborating with God. So like we've received an invitation, but we also have to come prepared. So like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not like a universalist, whatever that it doesn't matter what you do that. Right. Right. In the end, God is going to drag you kicking and screaming into the kingdom. (laughs) You still have to want it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Okay. Let's not solve the world's problems here with this gospel for a second. And let's, (laughs) Okay. Let's just take a step back because it's, yeah. it can be convoluted and everything. But I want to try and see what's going on around the text with other parts of this. Um, uh-huh. In the first place, I would like to just point out something that was on my mind this morning when I went to go preach on the vineyard. The gospel this week begins the same way as the one from uh, today as we record. It begins by saying, Jesus again. <laughs> so, hmm. so again. Uh, today's with the vineyards, it was Jesus gave them another parable. Um, uh-huh. I, I read in that a little bit of an exacerbation in Jesus's pedagogy mm. of like, okay, yeah. I have to give you another one and another one. Yeah. Um, and so, well, so, and what happens when we do that? Like with a teacher, when you've got to tell students three or four or five times. Yeah. It's like your examples get more extreme. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good line. You know? So like, if you take that line of reasoning, you know, Jesus started out very simply with, you know, the kingdom of God, maybe like, like a few weeks ago maybe likened to a vineyard where men are invited to work and, you know, receive their just payment. And then it gets more and more like nuanced with the laborers that come and then, uh, sorry, the, the sons. And then this past week um, with killing the servants, like it's becoming very dramatic, <laughs> you know, yeah. the vineyard yeah. stuff became very dramatic and there's murder. And now there's all this murdering happening too. That's a good yeah. thing. You know, in the land of the deaf, you speak loudly in the land of the blind, you draw right. with very big lines. Um, That's right. Yeah, so is this Jesus saying like, okay, my students are kind of dense. Let's give a very extreme example. Maybe maybe he's coming, this is tongue-in-cheek, clearly, but maybe he's coming to realize that last line, many are invited, but few are chosen. Like, you're just not getting it, so some of you are just not, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, I mean, there is a difficult lesson with this, is that we're not guaranteed salvation, right? So like... Yeah, yeah. Now, you have this whole thing that you all often talk about, about not being surprised, like... 
we're not going to be surprised by damnation, but well, we're also not guaranteed salvation. So, sure, I and those are not, <clears throat> to me at least, those are not mutually exclusive. Sure, sure. Like you've got to be working pretty. Ho- it's like, well, like the class, high school class that I'm teaching. It's got you. You got to work to fail it, and some are. <laughs> <laughs> some do uh, fail. Yeah. So okay, yeah, like, I, I like this idea of looking at Jesus' way of teaching his disciples and or here it's not to the disciples, but it's to the priests. Um, and saying, look, he is speaking in very dramatic imagery. Um, there is in these readings, there is an eschatological dimension. We are talking about the wedding feast of the Lamb, we're talking about, you know, salvation on God's holy mountain, but you're talking with dense priests and elders. Well, maybe your your parable needs to become a little bit more extreme, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So You know, and that kind of goes to what St. Paul, I think, is talking about in the letter to the Philippians. He says, I know how to live in humble circumstances. I also know how to live with abundance. Like, in every circumstance and in all things, we need to be able to learn that secret, to be able to find the food uh, to nourish us. Like, mm. you can't just pretend that, well... And we do this all the time, I think, at least I... Well, okay, I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll say you know, I just can't be in that situation right now. That's not where uh, I can flourish. That's not where I'm going to do good work. And I think perhaps Jesus is challenging and St. Paul is challenging us to like forget that kind of logic, that kind of reasoning. Hmm. It's like you, you need to be able to, you know, it's such a trite saying, but you need to be able to uh, flower where you're planted. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Um, I like it because this gets to the gospel in a very specific way. Because which, who's supporting us? As he says in Philippians, God. <laughs> right. And as we learned last week, Jesus is the wall, is the fortification. Oh, I appreciate God that breaks way. through our own. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Jesus, God breaks through our own walls and our own barriers so that he can raise up the true one, the, oh, our true that. strength. Oh, I love that. And so I think I think this could be another instance where we're where we're being called to remember that, mm-hmm. and to say it doesn't matter where you are or who you are or what you're frustrated with. Mm-hmm. Do you trust that Jesus is your strength? Yeah. Okay. So I want to nuance this a little bit and say that I think one of the ways of reading this gospel is thinking about this line: "Some ignored the invitation and went away." So how often? Uh, we just ignore God. Like, we just absolutely ignore <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. Um, now, and I, then th- complain when when he's not there to protect us. <laughs> no, totally. So, like, I think this, the, I think it's an important thing for me to say to myself because I it can be kind of a trite saying and a bit of a platitude to say that God is always there, God is always inviting. But, oh, man, he really is. Like, I walked yeah. past so many people begging on the street. I did it today. Like, there was a guy on the street begging today, and I just walked right past him and said, eh, yeah, this guy is just yeah. not whatever. It's like, no, he is Jesus, and he's knocking yeah. on my door, yeah. and I'm not answering. And this is an interesting question here is like, am I ignoring the invitation? With St. Paul and Philippians, whether it be in humble circumstances or in abundance, whether it be going hungry or being fed, I am attuned to the call of Christ. Like I'm attuned yeah. to it. And this is it. Like, listen, because if not, you're going to miss yeah. the invitation. And guess what? If God is knocking at your door and you refuse to answer, he'll knock on someone else's door. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Well, and consider the psalm. You know, I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
-hmm. Not all the days of my afterlife or all the days in the kingdom of heaven. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Yes. And so again, kind of, I think what St. Paul is getting at here, like, don't just count on, you know, the end times on that heavenly banquet to, to live in the house of the Lord. Are you, are you building? Okay. I don't want to say that. (laughs) Are are you living in the house of the Lord right now? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So here's, here's my parting thought just to go back to the Alleluia verse. uh, Cause it's, it doesn't seem to fit. You like that. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to fit. So it says, May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts so we may know what is the hope that belongs to our call. Yeah. Now, this might be the key to unlocking this gospel because it doesn't seem to really follow. There's no feast imagery or whatever. But what does fit is, May God enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Not may God enliven our hearts. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can see where the invitation is and be prompt to respond to it. Like, if you notice that there's an invitation from the Lord and are slow to respond to it, guess what? You may end up on the side of the road not receiving an invitation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. I think there's a lot there. Cool. All right. Look forward to next week. Alrighty. All right, man. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.